0: Father Steve will have our message this morning and he is asked if I would read from the book of Romans this morning chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 but before we do that would you bow with me as we have a word of prayer father we again come to you thankful thankful people father that we have the opportunity and privilege to be children of yours and to receive now instruction from your word. Father, as we read these words, as we hear these words, help us that we can hear what you would say to each of us, and Father, we pray to you would help us to put it into practice. Help us to do those things that would be pleasing to you, that would uh, have a positive effect on the world around us, and that many others might come to know you through the words we hear and uh, understand and put into practice. We thank you for Brother Steve and his ability to Put together these lessons that uh, we can be better equipped, so we ask your presence with him this morning. Bless him in his remembrance and his presentation that he might accomplish your will. Father, we recognize you alone as the supplier of such wisdom, so be with him and work powerfully through him. These things we thank you for and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, they shall live by faith.
1: Good morning. morning. Woo, that was louder than I thought it would be. It is good to be back. It really is. Amen, family? You're just giggling. Why are you just giggling? Oh, my mask. Thank you. Anyway, it is good to be back. As I understand it, Um, There are, if you look at the weather forecast, none uh, of the days coming up are scheduled to be 105 degrees. So I'm excited about that because it was very hot in California. All right, are we up on the screen? That's okay. Thank you all for coming today and for wearing your masks. Gracie's not here today? Is Gracie not here today? Well, a million thanks to her and to all of the Cornette family for supporting us in uh, supporting the fifth beetle, the fifth member of our family, uh, Bella, was taken care of. So thank you guys so much for that. That was a big weight off my mind. Otherwise, she'd have to go to doggy jail or whatever it is. Anyway. Um, it really is good to be back. I haven't had anybody cut me off doing 85 miles an hour in a horse and buggy, so that's great. There's no smog here, so um, it is good to be back in Indiana, I am, uh, although we had a good time and we got to see the in-laws. Anyway, um, what I wanted to talk about today, I, wanted to, I was thinking about this before I left, but it struck me more as I uh, went back to California, and I remembered how even in the 80s, there was this sense of, you know, God speaks in many ways. You can't, you're arrogant if you think you understand God and everyone else is wrong. And that's something I think that's deeply rooted in our society today, that if you claim to know anything about God for 100% sure, then that just shows that you are arrogant. And that is one of Satan's many lies. Because, well, now we're getting into a postmodernist society where, well, if we can't know anything about God, maybe we can't know anything about anything. So, if I see the world as having a pink sky, then maybe it does, man. And maybe it's because I went to the the uh, pharmacy with the green cross. That may be why I think it has a green, pink sky. Thank you for laughing at that. I think Linda laughs mostly like, what are you doing up there, Steve? Stop making jokes like that. But I want to kind of challenge that because one of the things that has occurred is I remember, well... Let me go back a step. Have you guys heard of the interwebs? Are you on the internets? Nothing? OK, thank you again for laughing, Linda. It's hard, it's hard going back into it. Um, the internet, like I'm old enough to remember when we didn't have anything electronic, and the internet, for those of you under the age of 25, is like a new thing. It doesn't seem like a new thing, but it is uh, to people like me. And what you don't realize, young people, is how much your world changed after the World Wide Web became a popular thing. Because when I was growing up, if you met a cute girl at camp, you had to write letters to her. And if she lived in a town far away, you could maybe once a year convince your parents to let you call long distance to talk to her. It was really cringy in retrospect, just I wish I'd never done that. Anyway, but on the other hand, the long game, it did work out for me because uh, Linda and I got to know each other at camp. So I'm all for camp romances. That's not what this sermon's about. Let's move on. So nowadays, by contrast, you can, like, hang out... I was playing Call of Duty with Russians the other day. That's weird. I have contact with people from Asia regularly. This is uh, this is a thing. If you if you get on YouTube, are you on the? Okay, I'll stop that joke. Are you on the YouTubes? Um, you can watch videos from literally every anyone in the world. So. My world growing up in a town of about 10,000 people, um, which was a small city in California obviously, was like the only reality I knew was what took place in those city limits kind of and sometimes I'd go to the neighboring city where I didn't know Linda lived because we were young, I didn't know her yet. But that was pretty much my whole world was whatever was around me. Anything I knew, I probably knew from watching a TV show or going to my local library. Well, once the the world became global, now all of a sudden, we have all these new voices. I'm not just talking to people who live within a couple miles of me. I'm talking to people on the other side of the globe, and that has changed the kind of things that are coming into my brain. And so, for those of you who aren't old enough to remember a pre-World Wide Web time, your world has been changed in that you live in a global community. You may not think you do. I'm I'm stuck in a little town in Indiana like Well, that's not really true. You're, You're part of a global community now. Everything reaches around. And so, with that, increasingly, now, California was like this before the World Wide Web. California has a lot of people coming and going from different parts of the world. So, there's, there's uh, lots of influences from Europe, Asia, South America, Africa, in California, in the coastal cities more than here in the Midwest. And so, people got to thinking, well, I know the guys down the street are Hindu And I like them. They're pretty nice people. They they grew up with Hinduism. And how do I know if I hadn't grown up as a Hindu that I wouldn't be Hindu? And you start to ask those questions. Like, why do I believe what I believe? Am I a Christian just because my parents were Christians? And so people started asking these questions And so it's like, okay, which of these do I really believe? And maybe they have a right to be angry with me when I say I know the truth. And so I think in today's society, people think, well, believing in the Bible, that was what people did before the world was global. That was what people did before we had more influences so that we can be smarter now to know that there are other things besides the Bible to to teach us. And that is one of the things I... Of all the devil's tricks, one of the tricks that he uses a lot is this is new. (laughs) You're so much smarter than the people who lived 100 years ago. You're not. You know so much, so many more things than the people knew a hundred years ago. You don't. It's not like people 50 years ago were unaware of Buddhism, Hinduism, animism, which is, you know, like Native American type stuff. It even goes back during Jesus' time, well, during the, the time of the apostles, this guy, Epictetus. That is a cool name. I want to be known as Epic Stevis. Hi, I'm Epic Stevis. He was a Stoic philosopher, and if, you're, if you know Acts, you know that uh, Christians often ran up against Stoic philosophers. They were kind of the Hindus of their time. They kind of believed that, you know, everything everything had equal weight and so Epictetus said all religions must be tolerated for every man must get to heaven his own way it's not new (laughs) since the beginning of Christianity people have been saying well you know there's God in all religions you can't say that you know something You can't say you're right and someone else is wrong. What makes you special? Well, the answer to that, nothing makes me special. But there's a lot that makes Jesus Christ special. And there's a lot that makes the Word of God special. These 66 collected books we call the Bible are special. I'm not. But remember, this isn't an American book. It's not even a European book. This is a book from the ancient Near East. It's a Judean and Egyptian and Turkish book. It's a global book. This isn't something America owns. It's not something that came from Europe. It came from God. And so yes, I think the words contained in these 66 collected books are Holy Scripture. And I have a lot of reasons for believing that. And I'm not going to go into a defense of the Gospel, a defense of the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, which is a fact. I can tell you I experience God in a way that is supernatural on a daily basis. Not every day, I I must confess. But I have supernatural encounters of God's presence Because God is increasingly giving me eyes to see His supernatural presence in the world. God isn't, as the Stoics thought, just off somewhere where you can't talk to Him anymore. He is here, standing next to me this morning. He is here, involved in our world. And because I know Jesus Christ rose from the dead, because of, of the. If you, if you bother to read this with your spirit, then your spirit contacts God's spirit, and you will understand that this book is different than the other books. You will know it, you will understand it. All right, I, that's getting too far off. Let me rein it back in. Let's go to this guy. Tenzin Gyatso. He is, uh, his original name was <laughs> Lano Dondup. He is, as you might know, the Dalai Lama. He's a manifestation of one of the benevolent gods come down to earth. And here's what he says All religions try to benefit people with the same basic message of the need for love and compassion, for justice and honesty, for contentment. So, that first, this guy actually represents a very Hindu view, which is all gods are real. Which, by the way, that doesn't, I won't get, get into that, but that can't be. Buddhists would say, no gods are real, but what they teach Is what's important. And even Albert Einstein, who, as you may know, was Jewish and a physicist, said, All religions, arts, and sciences are branches of the same tree. So then, which of these books, how can we say one book is more important than another one? Well, I've given you some of the reasons that we can say this book is more important than the other books. But first, what I want you to realize is how pervasive in our culture the assumption is that all religions are the same. If all religions are the same, why do people so violently not want me to be a Christian? Why why do so many religious systems demand that I change? Now, of course... One of the appealing things about the the Asian religions is that Buddhism and Hinduism, they don't care what you believe. Because in Hinduism, all gods are real. And in the Buddhist religion, nothing on earth is real. It's all just an illusion meant to trick you and cause you pain. That's an oversimplification. But if there is a creator of the universe, and there is, by the way, any four year old can tell you the universe was created and you have to do some pretty big mental gymnastics to try to come up with the universe has always existed it's just silly if the world if the universe was created then it means it was created by a creator and if the a creator created the universe i imagine that creator cares that you No, it was him. Because he must have had some reason. And as it turns out, the Bible tells you exactly who and exactly what his reasons were. Other religious systems really don't do that. I'm getting far afield again. But here's the the deal. And if we go to Dianetics, which that's literally big in Southern California. They have this giant church of Scientology. And by the way, I'm going to go so far as to say that not only is the Satanic Bible Satanic, all of the words that contradict the truth of the Bible are Satanic influences. I'm glad somebody amen that. Did you hear him say that? No, I'm not saying that your Mormon friends are Satanists. I'm saying the people who perpetuate the book in Mormon are playing on team Satan, not team Jesus. That doesn't mean the individuals that go there aren't trying to find Jesus. I know a lot of them. They they are trying to find Jesus. Unfortunately, they are being led by wolves instead of by the shepherd. And we don't need to dislike them for that. What we need to do is be compassionate and try to bring them into the safety of the fold of Jesus Christ. And that's true with everyone who's been hornswoggled, is that a word, bamboozled into thinking that there is something other than Jesus Christ that you need to follow. But here's the danger of this. You notice I've been waving this Bible around. I'm going to bang it just so I can be a Bible banger. We talk about this book and people wave the book around and I think, uh, Trump did one of these. Let me show you its features. Okay. Tough crowd today, but I'm used to it. Now, people say, well, if the Bible says it's true, that doesn't mean that it's true, because it's the Bible claiming it's true. That's like, if I say I'm the best, well, of course, I'm saying I'm the best, but me saying it doesn't make it true. Fair enough, but for the record, it says this in the Bible in a lot of places. Second Peter one twenty one, being my favorite of them. No prophecy—that means nothing spoken by men as a message from God. Which, by the way, this is mostly a collection of that. Okay, um, we all these you could say, um, are inspired. I would say are inspired. Let me not qualify myself too much. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. That's different. That's different than all those other books. No, this is a book of prophecy and because it's a book of prophecy, it was not written by men. That's a claim we are making Yes, it was physically written down from by men. Let me not misspeak. Let me say it the way Peter says it so I don't trip myself up. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of men. This is what happened. Men spoke and wrote down as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's different than L. Ron Hubbard sitting in his den typing away on his typewriter trying to come up with pop psychology with a sci-fi twist. If you know anything about Dianetics or Scientology. And that's an important difference because that's one of the things that just can't be true. There's a Pew Research poll that says 49% of Americans think that the Bible is inspired word of God, but you shouldn't take it literally. Literally. Okay. If, if it's God's inspired word, maybe, maybe you need to tell me what you mean by take it literally. Because if, if by take it literally you mean you get to pick parts that you leave out because they don't agree with your sensibilities, then I don't agree with that. This was all inspired by men whom God chose to impart with words from his spirit and they wrote things down on paper. Now there's a lot of evidence for that. I'm not going to get into it too much today, but it's important that we know that. What I really want to get into is the nature of the Bible. Is this is this book any better than any of the other books? Well, one of the ways that people have judged that is to say, well, you know, Jesus was a good moral teacher and so I like to go into the New Testament, which is only, by the way, this section of the Bible. You're missing all this other part if you, don't, you just read the New Testament. I'm going to look through the teaching of Jesus, and I'm going to try to live by them. And if I live by them and I get a better result than my Hindu friend down the street, then that must mean that the Bible is true. Now, you may not think anybody thinks that, but dig a little deeper. Think about it. Have you thought this in some way? I know I have. I know that I used to think convincing people that Jesus is Christ meant showing them that there's a better way through God's Word. And I've reduced God's words to just being this book. I've reduced God to just being this book. And I've seen a lot of Bible worship in the brotherhood. We don't worship the Bible. We worship God the Father. And His Son, His only begotten Son, Jesus, was born in Nazareth 2,000 years ago. He walked around and He taught. And men also wrote down those words And we attach that as well. But again, we don't don't worship the words they wrote down. We worship the man who has ascended to the right hand of God, Jesus Christ. And that's an important difference because if you're just comparing this book against those books, then you're playing the devil's game. And I'm tired of playing the devil's games. Because this isn't about let's line up all the philosophies and find out which one works best because then you're denying the whole point of reading this book and that's because this book is not a way to live this book is a tool that is part of your relationship with God the creator that you have through Jesus Christ his son in the presence of his indwelling Holy Spirit Let me say that again. This Bible is a tool God uses to help facilitate a relationship between Him and you that was made possible by the man Jesus of Nazareth who was the Christ. Through His Holy Spirit, which is this book is full of the markings of His Spirit. Now, it's important to realize that because, well, let me go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verses 6 through 9. This is, of course, Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy is a minister. He has been a minister for a while, and it seems to me he's having a little bit of a hard time because people are pushing back. People are saying, the devil's involved, and the devil doesn't want the truth to be preached. So Paul writes to him, he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now again, the important thing here is that God gave us His Spirit. And that Spirit is full of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me His prisoner, but share in suffering for the Gospel by the power of God. There's a second use of that word power, which is what we talked about last time I preached. He's saying, look, the fact that I'm in prison doesn't mean that God is a fraud or that Jesus Christ wasn't the Son of God. Because if you remember, Jesus Himself was executed like an insurgent. He was tortured to death. Instead of being ashamed, share in suffering. How can I share in suffering? Well, suffer for the Gospel, and you can do it by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So I had a picture of a mountain there at the beginning, and we have to look at this as at a high level. If the universe was created, it means it was created by a creator. And that creator probably had some purpose. The Bible reveals he did have a purpose. He had a purpose since before he created time. That's the best way to really translate the Greek there. Before eternity began, God had a purpose, and it may, it may look on the outside like someone's in jail or someone's being nailed to a cross, but if you look at the power, the power of that man tortured to death to change the world, the world you live in is predominantly a Christian world. The good things in this world are the Christian things in your world. I'm telling you. People who say, well, we can't do this and we can't do that and you're going to be canceled and all that stuff, all the things they're saying are wrong, most of them, they're saying they're wrong because their attitudes were formed by the miraculous power of Jesus Christ to change the world. So, let's go to Romans 1, which was our our text. Where Paul says, yeah, I know, People are throwing rocks. I know people are saying it's stupid. I know people are saying, how dare you claim to know the truth? How arrogant for you to claim you know the truth. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news. Because because the good news, the words change people's lives and it teaches people to do better. No, that's not what he says. He says, I'm not ashamed of the good news Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You get that? The Gospel is not words to live by. It's words by which we live. The Bible has power not because the words are so well written. It has power because It is the power of God. So if you're just taking the Bible, if the only things involved are these pages and your brain, then it's no better than Dianetics. It's no better than the Quran. If, however, it is the power of God into your salvation, then that means what's actually involved is you and the pages and the Holy Spirit transforming you in the process of obediently learning what God wants you to know. And it's not the words in the book that change you, it's God that changes you. There's no self-help book on the planet that has supernatural ability to change you while you read it which is why self-help books help no one. This is the only help book that's ever helped anyone for real. And it's not a self-help book. It's a God-help book. It's different because it's the power of God to salvation. If you choose to believe. And what does choose to believe mean? Well, choose to believe means open your mind your heart and your spirit to accepting truth if you're looking to accept truth this bible will burn your eyes out because on a spirit level you can understand the truth of god the power in the words that he had men speak the power in the stories of god's love and purposes will burn a hole through you with the light of its truth and if you're open To that experience, if you really want to find truth, this is where you will find it. Through here, and through here, and through here. Through the waters of baptism. That's where you will find truth. For in the Gospel, the righteousness of God, verse 17, is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. He's saying what I just said, right? By faith, you can receive the power of God. To what purpose? To increase your faith. All right, moving on to 1 Corinthians. Paul's opening his letter here to the Corinthian church, which he has a lot to say to them in two different letters. But this is toward the beginning. He said, Christ didn't send me to baptize. but to preach the Gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Are you hearing that? It's not eloquence you will find in this book. If you read John, if you can read Greek, which I really can't, but I can almost make it through John because it's written in Dr. Seuss-level Greek. And that's about how good I am at reading Greek. Actually, I'm not even that far. John certainly wasn't eloquent, but if you read the book of John, if you read 1 John, Second John, Third John, if you read Revelation, you will be struck by the power given to John through the words given to him by the Holy Spirit. Thoughts that he translated into language that he could write. But it's not because it's like, oh, wow, that sounds really great. Did you hear that? It had good rhymes. It had, I like the bullet points. It was really great. We're not going to have any of that because if it was impressive, then people might say that its transformative power was because of the eloquence of the writing or the eloquence of the speaking. I'm not an eloquent speaker, probably, but the power of what I say is the power of God's truth. And I don't have to be eloquent in order to speak truth from my spirit through God's spirit to your spirit. Verse 18: For the cross, the word of the cross, is stupid to those who are dying. Really? That's your Jesus? That's your God? (laughs) You gotta be kidding, right? It's folly folly to those who are dying, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's the gospel. The gospel's not the words, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where's the one who's wise? Who's the smart guy in the room? Where's the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? Yes, 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 he has. How many, we've been through 2,000 years of people, starting with people like Epictetus, saying, you know what, you're an idiot, and I'll show you how bad of an idiot you are. But Epictetus was wrong. Christ has changed hearts and minds. He has changed societies and governments to where children are important. Women are important. Life is considered a holy thing. Providing for those who can't provide for themselves for the first time in history is considered a primary function of human societies because Jesus changed the world. Not Epictetus nor were any of the other Stoics. The power, it wasn't Jesus' words because it's not only Jesus' words, it's the Spirit of God that did it. It's the Spirit of God that does it today. For since, verse 21, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. Okay, what was that? Paul confuses me sometimes. What does that even mean? Well, you've got to remember wisdom was philosophy and science and math and everything else put together. The Greeks thought if we could study hard enough, we would understand how the universe works. Which, by the way, is exactly something we're still trying to do 2,000 years later and still have not succeeded. And we'll keep doing it until Jesus comes back. I guarantee you that they'll say, you know what? Any minute now, we'll unlock the key to proving that God is not real And that I'm the master of my own universe. They've been doing this for 2,000 years. It hasn't worked. It won't work because the universe was created by God Almighty. Deep breath. So, the world in all of its study rejected the real knowledge that comes from God. For since in the wisdom of God... The world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. God wanted to, in other words, use stupid weirdos like me to let truth come out that God speaks to change the world. That's you and me. I'm not special. And only a couple of you in this audience are special. Just Kidding, that was a joke. You're all special, okay? You're all special. But the point is, it's not because we're so eloquent, we're so knowledgeable, we're so cool, we have so many Instagram followers that our our message is worth hearing. No, it's the, the nobodies that are preaching the truth, that's whom God chose to give His wisdom to. But we preach the Messiah tortured to death, which is a problem, a big problem for the Jews. They can't get past it, and it's completely stupid to the Gentiles, i.e. the Greeks. But to those who are called, whether they're Jews or Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the understanding, knowledge, wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than anything man has ever and will ever come up with. And the weakness of God is stronger than any strength any man has ever had or ever will have. So, what I want you to do from this message is to think and understand that even though the devil's trying to undermine you in so many ways right now, one of the ways he's trying to undermine you is to undermine your confidence in the Gospel. And I'm telling you, do not be ashamed of the Gospel because the Gospel is the power of God brought into the world around you. We should be proud to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and yes, I believe every word in this book was inspired by God. And I believe I know a truth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead because God wanted to bring eternal life to a broken world. I claim to know that for 100% true because I have the Spirit in me. And you're right, I can't get out my tape measure and I can't write you a book proving that The only way that you're going to obtain faith is through faith. You're not going to get God to lie down on a table and say, okay God, I'll believe you, but let me check some things. Your pulse? Good. All right, I want to... Hang on. Don't fidget. I'll believe in you when I say. God's not going to lie down on a table and let you examine Him. He's not going to sit on the bench and let you put Him to the question. He's Creator of the universe. How arrogant are you to think that you have a right to interrogate the Creator of the universe? The point is, God is your Father. He created you. He created the world around you. He wants to have a relationship with you and every other human on this planet because He made all of you. And I confidently say, I know Jesus Christ in my day-to-day walk because of the transformative power He's had on my life in general and in my life on a daily basis. And I will say with 100% assuredness that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and everyone who believes in Him and is baptized shall be saved. And I will say that proudly and people will call me arrogant. And it's happened in the last week that people have called me arrogant. And I didn't go, listen here, buddy! Okay don't throw your pearls before swine I'm ready to give God's ready to give his love but he's not going to lie down on the table we have to give that same love to everyone around don't let Satan undermine your confidence that you have the words that are power of God with me okay I was spazzy before I left for California Don't think it made me worse. But I'll tell you, it did this last couple weeks. has has made me see how badly Satan wants to undermine the peace that we should have. If you watch my Out of the Pulpit, he wants you to carry your guilt. Satan doesn't want you to have peace, and Jesus wants you to have His peace. Peace of living in God's house in safety and in comfort. And I I hate that Satan is so good at dragging my peace out from underneath me by his tricks. So if I'm fired up, I'm fired up because I'm tired of the devil's tricks and I don't want any of us to fall down because we fell for him again. Amen? I'm not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of me and my family and you and the whole world. And that's a beautiful thing. If you're not a Christian, God wants to be your Father. All you have to do is confess His Son, be baptized, and your sins will be forgiven from now through eternity as long as you're in God's house. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful story of the universe. And if you have, please, if you have any praises to give, please let us know about those. We're going to sing a song. When we sing that song, if you have a praise that you want to share, please share it with us. If you have a prayer concern that wasn't already mentioned, if you want the help, you know what? We're not a family of people that shows up, studies a book, and goes home. We're a family that comes together to support each other. And when we sing this song, if you have something that you just can't get support for, or if you think your brothers and sisters might be able to support you, even if you think we can't, come forward. Pray with us. We love you. We love you. Let us love on you. And by all means, if you're a Christian, please come forward now and be baptized while we stand and we sing this song.